0: Legacy Stories is about immigrants knowing that they're not alone. Legacy Stories is about remembering and honoring where we came from.
1: Legacy Stories is about other people learning about us from our stories.
0: Legacy Stories is about healing generational trauma in community to help us dream bigger and live as ourselves. That is Legacy Stories.
1: Hi everybody, welcome to Legacy Stories. This is Maria and I have Kua with me. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Noor and I would love for her to introduce herself a little bit more before we dive into her story. Noor, could you tell us something about yourself?
2: Sure. Um, Hi everyone, my name is Noor. I was born in Pakistan and then I migrated to the United States. I am a mental health therapist and I am a TEDx speaker and I love traveling. Yeah. Nice.
1: So.
0: I'm going to dive in, because I already have questions just
1: from that. I was waiting for you. I'm like, where is (laughs) Kula?
0: Okay, cool. So you came from Pakistan to the U.S. Like, when did that happen, and um, why did it happen? I'd I'd love to know the story behind that.
2: Sure. Um, Well, it's the story. I will share what is my story. It is my mom's story. So... um, so I'll share what I'm comfortable with sharing. Um, my dad uh, walked out like literally the back door uh, when I was five years old. And I have three other siblings. I have an older sibling. I'm the oldest daughter. And then I have two Two younger sisters. And um, I just remember making eye contact with my dad and being like, this man's never coming back. I don't know how I knew that at five, but the next day he wasn't there. And my mom was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, and she was very frantic and unbeknownst to us, my grandmother had decided to come and visit us as a surprise. And so thank God my grandmother arrived and, you know, lots of things happened, but we, um, we ended up uh, flying in the middle of the night from Pakistan to New York. That's where we ended up landing. Cause that's, um, a little place called Poughkeepsie in Hudson Valley, you know, um, and so that's where my grandparents landed, um, and I remember it was like snowing when I arrived and it's not that it doesn't snow in Pakistan, but it snows like in the mountains, you know, and um, and I thought the sky was falling, so I wouldn't go outside of the airport. I was like, the world is ending. I'm not gonna walk outside. And my aunt bribed me with orange juice and chocolate, and I got into the car, (laughs) and that's sort of how I, and I'm still not used to the snow. I hate it. I can appreciate the beauty of it, but that's sort of how I came to be. So my mom was 19 when she brought her four kids here as a single parent, didn't speak a word of English, you know, and so we had to assimilate um, quickly to the best of our abilities, you know.
1: Your mom is a freaking rock star.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. She definitely is. Um, I'm very grateful for the journey that she chose to take. uh, Because technically in our religion, um, if you end up getting a divorce, the, um, the father ends up having the children because he's supposed to be the provider and the caretaker. Um, in the sense of finances. And the way it worked out, my dad only wanted a couple of us, not all of us. So my mom had to decide whether she wanted to leave all the kids or take all the kids with her. And she was like, I'm not separating. I'm taking all the kids And and she also chose not to get married because she was just like, this is another man's kids, you know, and it's not just one, it's four kids, you know, how are they going to be accepting? And she had to really deal with the stigma of being a single mom and the divorce and all those things. Yeah, That's a lot on one
1: person's plate, I have to say. Yeah. Now you mentioned your grandparents, were they Mm -hmm.
2: already living in the U.S.? Yeah, so funny story about my grandparents, like they, they were in Pakistan, my grandfather ended up getting a job with the Bank of Pakistan, and they end up opening up a branch in New York City, and they, my grandparents migrated Everybody, like my aunts and my uncles, except my mom ended up getting married, and she stayed in Pakistan, and everybody else migrated to New York City. I think it was Queens. I'm not sure. And then from after a while, they moved from New York City. They moved up to Poughkeepsie and bought a house. So, yeah. Wow.
1: Cool. Don't you love the name Poughkeepsie? I'm just like, I want to just say-
0: name for some reason (laughs) like i
1: gotta say the name of that city
0: yeah that's a cool name, and nor i just i like your name like i've never heard that name before a lot of people tell me they've never heard my name i have for sure never heard nor and it's it's like it it real kind of rolls off your tongue it's really really pretty oh thank you so you came did you come when you were five then
2: yeah i was like five six when i came
0: i i just can't like help but shake like how traumatic right like for the first event you're going to yeah. and then actually having to move to a whole different country like a whole different environment like two things endured yeah. and i'm just curious like how has that shaped you
2: oh i it definitely shaped my identity in many ways um, I think living in a bicultural environment. And when I mean bicultural, it's like m- my culture, right? Growing up, my grandparents pretty much raised me, and they were very, very strict and were religious, right? And so it was like, you're just gonna wear Pakistani clothes and you're only gonna eat the food, and you're only gonna speak Urdu do at home. And because my grandmother was so afraid that if we did anything outside of our own culture, we would forget our identity and who we were. And I think, you know, a lot of immigrant families are that way. Like either they will hold on very much to everything Or they will sort of let loose and just kind of have like a salad bar kind of um, attitude towards their culture, religion, whatnot, right? And my grandparents were just like, "Mm -mm, we need to do this. And so I was very much sheltered from the world. And I think when I went into college, I was like, Whoa, what's happening? Right. And there was a lot of decision making that had to come into process and coming into my own because. Friends would eventually just stop inviting you because they knew you couldn't come anymore. Like after the third no, you know, you're asking mom like, "Hey, can I go to my friend's house? Like they're having a birthday party." And my mom was just like, "No, I can't. I can't afford to do that for you, or I don't have the time to do that because I'm constantly working two jobs, right?" And so there was there was this loneliness because you have friends at school, and I put that in quotations, right, because you only see them at school, and then once you come home, like, that's it, like, my grandmother's mentality was: they're your fellows, they're your school, they're not your friends, right, and we didn't live in an, um, in a neighborhood that was, that was Had a lot of either Pakistani or Muslim individuals, so it was just me and my siblings majority of the time. Or when we went to New Jersey to the mosque, right? Um, And we saw friends there, but again, they weren't friends because we didn't we didn't communicate all the time. It was just my mosque friends, right? So I think learning to trust myself and say, okay, this is what my grandparents have raised me as, this is what my mom has raised me as, and hating that as an adolescent, but not really appreciating that as an adult, and being like, I'm glad that I didn't lose my culture and my language and my love of food and all those things. But also, as I'm growing up, and I'm venturing out into a world where there's so many possibilities how do I become this person and balance that identity between who I am between both cultures because neither one is completely accepting of the other because they're like oh well you're too American now or you're still too Pakistani um you know and you still have that immigrant mentality and you're like but where do I fit <laughs> you know and that was a long-winded so I don't know if I answered your question but
0: much like thank you for your honesty like I I resonate with it so much like who am I between both cultures and I Maria you and I have you know we've spoken about this I feel like we've had a podcast about that very thing so everything you said is like so in line with what legacy stories is about
1: yeah yeah I think we had yeah we had an episode that we did on belonging I believe it was It was a while ago, probably, when we were just starting. And it is one of the things that I think a lot of immigrants struggle. Either you lose that sense of belonging to your culture or you feel that you're not belonging to the culture that you're living in right now. And the the balance is something that, you know, it's never exactly there, but -hmm. it's something that a lot of us strive for. But honestly... I don't think there's a wrong way to do it no yeah there's no wrong or right way it's just however it turns out basically as you said this is how it was for you this is mm-hmm. how you were raised yeah. and it gives you it gives the world you it and it gives you who has these specific worldviews and these specific experiences that nobody else can bring that. Yeah, And that's what I love about being an immigrant, because we are all very much unique and -hmm. have very unique perspectives. And instead of trying to melt into one and belong and fit in, Mm -hmm. kind of recognizing our own strengths and being able to find the belonging within the
2: diversity itself. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I I think for a long time, we often heard like we're a melting pot. Right. And at some point I was just like, I like that reference, but why, why can we all just be who we are and not blend and get along, you know, and, and that is, that is a very cliche thing to say. And, you know, I'm sure there's lots of intersectionality within that statement, but I think it goes back to what you're saying, like, let's just respect each other's worldviews right and have that empathy and compassion and say like that's how you were brought up that's great how does that inform you and are there things about it that may not be healthy but um and are there things about it that is healthy that we can kind of keep on like shedding and um you know kind of molding into the person that you desire to be yeah and even just as you are,
1: just mm-hmm. as you are, without any changes, like you always have something to contribute to the world. Oh There's God. always like just as you are. And Kua really had a good definition of the melting pot, because mm-hmm. I always saw it like more like throwing in a salad and mixing it. Yeah. And when how Kua explained it, that actually it is a melting, as if in like we melt we kind of lose parts of ourselves because we kind of adjust to this new thing. And I always, I, I really love that, <laughs> how you've explained it was Kua. And I just, I actually would, I prefer if everybody, now this is my preference. I'm not saying this is the right way to do it, but for mm-hmm. me, I like world with color and diversity and more cultures and more different mm-hmm. food and more music and more, it just has more to offer. And it seems that it's almost like the America's becoming the, this minimalistic state. Like, you mm-hmm. know how minimalism is very trendy now? Yeah. Let's get rid of everything and just keep everything clean and like everything perfect. And that's not how the world is. And not, that's not how life is. Life is messy and colorful and all over the place. And that's what cultures bring.
2: Ah, I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. So I want to go back to your childhood a little bit because that just interests okay. me so much. Like, tell me about like one of your favorite childhood memories.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh. I'm trying to think you now. I'm like, ooh. Uh, there's, there's a lot. Um, when I was in Pakistan um, and I was little. The rain there, it hits differently than the rain here. And it's the same, it's the water and everything, you know, and I think I'm, my memory is from the viewpoint of a child, not as an adult. So it's filled with that awe, you know, and I remember one day that it was raining and houses aren't built the way that they're built in America with, you know, the roof being a lion, right. It's flat. And then they've got like these gutters and water just sort of, so you can sit on the rooftop and things like that. And um, (laughs) like it was raining over on the rooftop and we were just dancing in the rain. And I just remember being so captivated by that because the as the water is sort of coming down and hitting the roof, like the, the floor of the roof, I'm trying to create a visual of it. Um, it's like a crown. So the water would hit it and then pop back up like the water of particles and it would look like a crown. And it was just, so it would be raining really, really hard. And all you see is the water bouncing back up in the formation of like a crown, you know? And to me, just like dancing as a child, on, prohibited from the world's like problems of what is happening in that moment, right? And I wasn't being told, oh, you're a girl, Don't, don't dance in the rain anymore because we don't want anyone, your chest being exposed or anything. You're a kid, you can play. And I remember the same memory, being an adult in Poughkeepsie and going out and doing that. And my mom was like, I think I was like 10 or something. And my mom was like, come back inside the house. You can't get dance in the rain because your your shirt is being soaked through and I didn't have a raincoat on, you know, because I wanted to feel the rain in my on my skin. And um, so, I, was, so I, I love that memory. Um, and yeah, I, I think a lot of my memories of just are me running with my imagination and and creating story in nature
0: that's so beautiful and i love how your senses were so strong yeah like you were really you can tell how present you were just with the rain i have no memories or recollection of the rain when i was younger so <laughs> yeah so that's just it's it's beautiful yeah Thank i you. am
1: i want to ask something else I usually ask people, um, what do you love about, what is something that you love, a characteristic that you got from your culture? But I want to ask you an opposite kind of question. What do you love about the fact that you grew up in the U.S.?
2: Oh, there's so many cool things. (laughs) Um, I think my life changed and I'm very thankful despite it being very painful that my dad walked out and I think having the ability and I'm not saying I'm not sitting here and saying that like I wouldn't have the ability to do the things that I wanted to do in Pakistan but I was offered a different set of opportunities and I think I love that aspect of like growing here and saying like Anything that I want to do, I can do even though my culture and my family are strict. And so some of the things that I love while growing up here is the fact that like I am challenged on a daily basis in regards of my identity and my culture and my religion. So being Muslim, I live this like ethical and moral um, rules I and obligations I have to follow on a daily basis. So each day I get to decide, like, do I want to go out and do this thing or do I want to go out and do this thing? Right, And it's not that it's it prohibits me from doing anything, but it allows me to sort of be like, OK. Again, coming back to the identity of like, what are my values, and what do I get to do, and being able to practice that here, because as a Shia, I'm a minority, and being able to do that in a in a safe environment um, has been really nice, despite all the stuff that's that has happened within the United States with Muslims. I think the ability to have the exploration of different culture and cuisines i i think i'd be remiss if i didn't know what a burrito tastes like you know um or i don't like and it's not like there isn't food in pakistan or like you know like all those things but i i think the opportunity to be able to go out and meet people of different ethnicities and different culture might not be as present if i was living in pakistan because it's all like pakistanis and muslims you know and people come and travel but living here in the u.s like i get to meet so many cool people with different cultures different backgrounds and even if they're american like Someone who lives on the West Coast is completely different than someone who's on the East Coast. And I'm learning that because, like, I just moved to the East Coast to the West Coast. Like, so many different, like, even stores are different, you know? Like, I'm used to, like, this grocery store. And now here, it's, like, all these different types of grocery stores with all these different names. And, like, the fruit is different. It tastes fresher, you know? And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, there's so much exploration. I guess I'm just always in awe of, like, everybody I get to meet
0: And just wait till you come to the Midwest, right, Maria? <laughs> 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 I'm not really on there yet, but I am best.
1: Would... <laughs> 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 yeah, oh, well, I want to tie into something that you've mentioned a little bit about while you were speaking about this. And there has been quite a lot of steering with Muslims in the US. How old were you? when September 11th happened?
2: I was in high school my senior year. Um, My, I I remember driving with a couple that was taking me from my high school to the hospital because I was doing a hospital program my senior year of high school and they didn't have the radio on or anything. So we were just talking. I had no idea what, what had happened. So I get to the hospital and all the kids are talking and I thought they were talking about some sort of movie because they're talking about a bomb and like, all. and I was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what did I miss? And then they were like, this happened. And I just remember being like, what? And then I was like, oh my God, my grandfather is in New York City where the twin towers are like, and he doesn't have a cell phone, you know, like he just gets on the train and then comes home, you know, and, and that's his routine. And I was, we didn't know. And, um, we were, thank God, you know, we were able to find him in he went through a depressive state because he saw lots of things during that time and you know he couldn't reach us and all those things but he's safe now and all that stuff but as a senior in high school i was thrust into the limelight because most people were like we kind of know what islam is but we don't really know what islam is and it was bam like right there and the hostility that we've received was was a lot because it was like, you know, I, I'm here from like the age of five and I'm pretty much, you know, I speak the language, I do all these things. And if anything, I feel like I've shown my worth of what an American is and who I'm who I'm loyal to, you know, and everything was questioned. Like I wore a hijab and I remember being threatened and my mom saying to us like, don't wear the hijab because we don't want you to die. You know, Um, my family putting American flags on their cars to prove that like, we love America. We're grateful for the opportunity, you know, and um, the cops being called because they thought we were spying on them, you know, in our neighborhood. And I was like, what, like, what are we spying on? You know, (laughs) and like, and me cringing when my mom would say her prayers out loud that you could hear them from outside our house right like she would we would have ceremonies and i'd be like oh my god don't speak so loud like it's in arabic people don't know that you're praying (laughs) you know they just they don't understand the language um so there was a lot of having to prove your worth and every time now like there's a bombing or something terrible happens in the news the first the First automatic thought, unfortunately that pops in and you're just like, please don't let them be Muslim. Please don't let them be Muslim. Um, And then you're like, oh my gosh, why am I even thinking that? Like, is everybody okay? Like, I hope everyone is safe. Like and the prayer starts coming out for everybody and you're just waiting. And then you're like, okay, now I have to go out on social media and prove to everybody I'm not like that particular Muslim you know, and having to constantly prove your worth each time an incident occurred and then being stereotyped. And then also recognizing that during this time of what is happening, the Sikhs are also being, you know, um, their temples and them also being um, discriminated against because they're choosing. And I don't know the terminology so I'm just going to say um, their turban their headwear right and but they're not Muslim but this image of what it is right and then being told like go back to your country like that's where you belong and being called very derogatory names which People were very creative and half the time I had no idea what they meant but you knew it was bad because of the tone that they were using, right? And you really found out who was a friend, who wasn't a friend, and what services you should like, what places you should go get your services from versus who you shouldn't. And oftentimes we would be like, we've been coming to this place for the last 10 years. I know you're scared. I am scared too. I don't know what happened. Why would someone go and kill people? And for what? Because my religion that I was taught wasn't told that you have the right to go kill anybody innocently because there's this phrase that if you kill one person it's like you killed all of humanity. Right? We are all brothers and sisters, regardless of your faith, culture, religion, gender, race, whatever, that's what our prophet preached. And so there was this, this dichotomy of like, what I was taught at my mom's versus what was being shown in the media. And then trying to explain to people like, that's not what jihad means, right? And so it, It was a very defining moment as a senior in high school, because I remember that day being in the hospital and classes being dismissed and like being like, and the hospital saying like, we need volunteers. I stayed in that hospital for more than 24 hours, like volunteering, being on Skittles, you know, um, and just being like, okay. And the rampant of people who wanted to do something because they didn't know what to do. And there was that blood drive. And so all the firefighters, the police, like they came first to give blood. And I just remember sitting with this one young, like to me, he was like a young man. I'm sure he was an adult, but like, his piercing blue eyes. Right. And me just holding his hand. And he was like, I have, while he's giving blood because he was scared. And he's like, my brother's down there and I don't know what happened to him. And I have to go find him. And us just holding hands in that moment and being like, okay, you know, I don't know what to do, but we're, we're just going to hold hands right now. And just directing people like this is line a for positive blood type, this blood type, this, and just coming up and like talking and Yeah. And and then the days that followed it, you know, so that was a long-winded story, but yeah. (laughs) So, oh, that's a story
1: that needed to be said. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Said, honored, respected, like your maturity level. I mean, a senior in high school, like I like the seniors these days that I know. (laughs) 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 Wow. Like I'm just blown excuse me, I'm just blown away. And for you to speak about it, like right now, I can tell like there was some type of healing that you did go through for yourself that you took yourself through. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like what that looked like. I think that would be really helpful for our listeners because we've all encountered traumatic things. Yeah. We need help with that healing portion.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I think for me... Um was recognizing like I needed to talk to people about what my religion was and what my identity was, right, and not dig in. Um, I could, I could have been really belligerent, I could have been really defensive. Um, but what people said was really hurtful. And I think, allowing to allowing yourself to grieve and cry and let it move through your body. And I didn't know that that's what I was doing at that time, you know, looking back at it now and still dealing with different things in my life, like giving room to breathe for the grief and not numbing and not medicating. and. You know, sometimes we are on social media, or we choose to, um, you know, spend too much money on something, or whatever it is, our form of medicating because we don't know how to deal with the the, the level of emotions and the intensity of emotions. One, what you're doing to remind yourself. One is what you're doing is okay and is enough in that moment because that's all you know, right? So there's wisdom in what you're doing. Then the second thing is to recognize and say, okay, I know this isn't working for me even though it is working in quotations, what do I need to tackle? And so recognizing what is my primary emotion? And then what is underneath the layers of emotions? Because oftentimes we'll say, I'm angry. I was angry as a child, like as an adolescent, as a young, but what was underneath the anger? It was frustration. It was not being heard. It was feeling like I'm thrusted back into a limelight of being an immigrant, of um, having my identity again being reshaped. It was not having a supportive network. Like what were those things, right? And exploring underneath that and then asking, can I sit with these things as my body experiences them? Because oftentimes in Eastern cultures, right? Um, And I know specifically for us in South Asian cultures, we rather go to a medical doctor than go to a therapist and say, I have a stomach ache, I have a headache, I have a migraine, give me medication for that, than to see what was the origin of that migraine? What was the origin of that stomach? Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's depression, right? We don't want to go speak to the therapist Um, and breaking that stigma down and saying, okay, like I can get the medication, but also let me recognize and sit with the emotion. Can I sit with it for five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, like building that up and then saying, okay, okay. And surrendering. Like I I know that a lot of my healing was I have to surrender what I can't control. Right. And that
1: is so hard.
2: It is. (laughs) It is. is. Like, and I am not at all perfect by it, but I think remind for me, my I think I hated my faith for a long time because I was like, well, how could God do this? Right. And I think you go through your normal teenager angst of like, do I want my religion or do I not? Like if if you're in that state. And I didn't practice my religion. I didn't pray. I didn't do that. And my mom wasn't very happy. And then I came back to it on my own again, you know, and, um, knowing for me is, that there's a spiritual aspect to me, like there's someone higher than me, whether it's a goddess, whether it's nature, whether it's whatever you believe in, knowing that there's something out there that has my back. I can only do what I can do. And then saying, I'm going to let this go because holding on to it is doing more damage to me than good. Because that other person, that other thing, whatever it is, it's continuing to exist and does not care about you. You're feeding it. And for what purpose? And part of that means surrendering and letting go means forgiving yourself, which is really hard when you think as a child, your dad left because you weren't good enough if you behaved, if you did this, right? And seeing other parents and wishing that like, you know, your mom was more like this or that your dad, if you had a dad, then you, you would know how to talk to men or that you would know how to fix a car, you know? Like you, <coughs> excuse me, you taught those things to yourself, right? Um, and so that mentality of being like, I am whole regardless of what my dad did. His behaviors are his, not a reflection of who I am as a person. My value isn't rested on his shoulders or anybody else for that moment, right? And it was a hard thing to process and take because I went back to Pakistan when I was in 2016, and I sought my dad out because I wanted to know what he looked like. And it was like, it was a very earth shattering moment and a healing moment all wrapped up in one because i was like i cried over this man why i didn't give my mom enough credit like damn like i'm gonna hold her accountable for the shit that she did but like damn like as a single mom like in America, not speaking English and then learning English at Wendy's, like, and the language was auto clean, you know? Like, I don't, it like, I think my identity, I have, is my mom being really brave, right? Um, And choosing to venture out. And I hope that I can pay my back, my, my mom back one day, but, Yeah, and I feel like I'm getting lost in what you had originally asked because I can keep talking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do the same thing all the time. Just (laughs) ask Yeah, I was like, what was the
2: original question? (laughs)
1: it's all good you know I will be editing our video and then I'll tell Kua, Kua I had one of those days where it feels that like I was just like talking and like I'll fast forward the videos I'm editing and it was just me like that, 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 that in my hands, and like I just took over the whole thing yeah. and you laugh about it right yeah. but you know what sometimes you have something to say and I think wow. what you said right now Kua has these moments where she said like I feel full and I feel with like your statement right now I kind of feel very full because this is it. This is what Legacy Stories is about. Mm -hmm. Because you're talking about a child who is thinking that their dad left because they did something wrong. It -hmm. doesn't matter what culture you're from, Mm -hmm. children think that way and Mm -hmm. they get hurt because they're little and -hmm. they don't understand the world and what's happening. And they, you know, they spent years. So it's like the fact that it doesn't matter what religion it is. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter where from the world we are. That's yeah. how kids process being left yeah. because we're too young to understand. And also being in those, that teenage angst, again, we all go through that. Mm-hmm. I love the culture, but remembering that, yes, culture gives us color and gives us a you know, if we were all same, it would be very boring. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
2: yeah. Normal
1: is boring. Same is boring. Culture yeah. gives us diversity and it gives us something interesting to keep trying and experiences. But however, down, stripped down to the bone, we're all just humans. We mm-hmm. have the same brain. We go through same things. Yeah. No matter where we are in the world or who mm-hmm. our parents are or what our religion is or what skin color we have. It's like, it comes down to the basics absolutely. and i feel like my soul is just like <laughs> about <laughs> to explode kua i see you <laughs> nodding
0: <laughs> i'm just taking in your stories like really like taking them in and receiving them and like i almost feel like it's um healing and transformative for me as well when I hear other people share their stories, because I know like for a lot of immigrants, it's hard for us to speak. And not only that, like we don't always get the opportunity to bring these things up. So like, Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Um, Did your, like those traumatic experiences, did they kind of lead you into that mental health therapy occupation?
2: Oh no, not at all, no. my, my heart was set on becoming a heart surgeon <laughs> yeah I went to school for pre-med like that was my high school thing like I did a medical kind of um practicum and I was like oh my god um I love heart I, I got to see an open heart surgery it was amazing I fell in love
1: me too me too me too <laughs> <laughs> um, isn't it so freaking cool <laughs> it is so
2: cool what? They just bring the heart back to life. Um, But yeah, it's cool. And I remember doing a rotation on the psych unit and I was like, there's no way I could sit here and listen to people's stories. Like I'm hysterical half the time. I was like, I would have to walk away because I was like crying. And so like, I'm like, how do these people handle all this trauma and all these stories like my god like they're so one these people are so wonderful you know even though they're struggling but I don't think I can do it and I was like Mm-mm, not my thing and then I went to pre-med I'm not that great in math and then um, my organic chem teacher at my college was just like, you're never going to get into med school. You're not smart enough. And, you know, as a 17, 18 year old, like I, I didn't have the great self-confidence. So I believed her and I went to my biology teacher and I was like, I want to help people, but I don't know what to do. And so she gave me a list of like degrees and options. And she was like, why don't you try psychology? And I was like, I don't know. And I tried one class and, I wish I could remember this teacher's name because she made such a profound impact and is the main reason why I became a therapist and had to have that dialogue with my family. Um, I remember walking in and it was like mid-afternoon, the sun was sort of streaming in, she's at the podium, she's like 32, you know, young age, she has a PhD, she has her own private practice, and she's teaching at a college, and I was like, she's very well put together, just, and I just was like, oh my god, I want to be her, you know, and it was just like this, oh, kind of like, you know, moment, <laughs> and I was like, all right, I guess this is what we're doing. And I, I was like, and I had to tell my family that I'm no longer becoming a doctor, you know, and I'm, I'm going to become a therapist. And that was, that was a dialogue and a half itself, but I'm glad that I did. And one of the things that my friend tells me is that you are a heart surgeon because you work with people's hearts. And I hold that very dear and near because I think at times I was like, what would it have been like if I had continued with my pre-med and not listened to this professor who said I was dumb and taking a class somewhere else and continued? I didn't even think about that option, right? I just believed her and got into this field and it just fits like a glove now. So, Wow.
1: Sometimes those people are supposed to say that dumb stuff. (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: okay i want to ask for last something some message that you would wanna kind of something that you would like to say to everybody listening to this podcast or watching or however they're consuming us Mm -hmm. what is your last message today
2: yeah. i'm like i'm You're making it like, like, what is the last message for the yeah. podcast <laughs> like that's a lot of weight on my shoulder right sorry <laughs> it's okay um i think my message is if anything i have learned and i'm continuing to learn and lean into is that be vulnerable with who you are with boundaries i think the more you practice who you are, and you're in alignment. And that practice of self-forgiveness will help ease your path into whatever next adventure you are trying to take or on whatever you want to do. So I think just being you, like you said, right? Like no one else can be you. So be the best version of who you want to be. And meet you where you're at. So I think we have a vendor.
1: Kula, <laughs> cool, do you have anything else to add? Cool,
0: just like thank you so much for sharing, Nor. Like that was like I thought fa- I felt like blood blood pressure rising, <laughs> but also like like so much warmth at the same time, like just hearing about you and learning about you and your story. So thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed this conversation.
2: Well, thank you guys for hosting me. I really enjoy talking and I, as I'm, I'm sure I'll be reflecting back, like I was like, oh, this isn't something I've thought about or had, you know, recall that memory of the rain or whatnot, you know, so it was nice to have that platform to kind of talk about it as well.
1: We loved having you and we loved hearing your story. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Tell your mom, she's a rock star. (laughs) I I mean, you are a rock star of your own, Mm -hmm. but I totally like am
2: like into your mouth right now. (laughs) Oh, totally. (laughs) You can totally crush on her. It's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming. And thank you everybody
0: for listening. And I'll see you guys again. Bye. Bye.